0: This ministry has been made available by Kenneth Higgins from a Bible training center, Nigeria. All right, we are in the uh, process of sharing with you on where is your faith located. And we use the disciples as our point of reference. And... uh, we found out where their faith was located it was it was it was well in fact it wasn't there they were f- filled with fear fear will negate faith if, if you leave that fear alone and you don't do what is necessary with thoughts of fear it'll negate and so uh, let's just kind of get back into it where we left off if I might and uh we we said that the disciples could not have had any faith in in the, in having seen Jesus calm the water or that or the wave because they had not seen that and so they had not they had never never heard him as uh, far as the record we have in the script, they had never heard him speaking to you know a storm an actual storm of wind. That had the uh, water, troubled water. And so they had no basis for faith based on what they saw or what they had not seen. The only basis they had for faith was what? What Jesus had said to him, what Jesus had taught them through the day. That's the only basis that they had for faith. So we see then that the God kind of faith does not take its foundation. For what we have seen or not seen, it takes its foundation on the Word of God. So if I'm going to have great faith, if I'm going to be, come to the place where my faith will do for me and work for me like it worked for Jesus, then I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to engraft the Word of God into my mind over and over and over, day by day, by day, I'm going to have to take time. Now, sometimes the thought will come, well, I don't have time. I'm busy. But the question is, are you too busy? See, it just depends on what you want. It depends on where you want your faith to be. And so we have to take the time, time to, to do that. And so now here's the disciples. And they, the only basis they had for faith that day was the word of God. And Jesus then, when he said, let us go over to the other side, he demonstrated that, that, that his faith was going to take them to the other side. He demonstrated that then by speaking to the storm, speaking to the wind, and they, they sailed on, as it were. They sailed on and reached their destination, just like Jesus said, let us go over to the other side. And so we see in all of this that, that, that Jesus was perplexed in, in, in the, the uh, at the moment, he was perplexed with the disciples, or whatever the correct word there would be, uh, because he had not been able to really ingrain that word uh, into them. So he was perplexed, Jesus was perplexed uh, at why no faith was present in them, they that heard him teach and then expound he asked that simple question, how is it that you have no faith? You know what, I think perhaps one of the, if you want to look at it like this, one of the greatest sin, if you want to talk about a, a, great, a greater sin, I'm just saying that perhaps one of the greatest sin that, that, that a child of God could, could commit is just simply not believing what God says. That don't mean they're a bad person, doesn't mean that at all, but they just simply cannot believe when they read the Bible, they can't believe. So what, what that amounts to is this, this is why that I think that God would see it that way is because he sees the people that he loved so well and had come to the earth to give his life for them, distrust him, have no trust in him. And so that perhaps unbelief—you know—the Hebrew, the Hebrew letter calls unbelief. He calls it sin, and he calls it that in reference to the children of Israel. You know, they did not enter the promised land. They did not enter into the rest, R-E-S-T. They did not enter into the rest of God. And so uh, it was because not—it was not because of the of the Canaanites, the Hittites, nor the Terramites. (laughs) You'll get that on the way home. And it was not because of that. It was simply because they believed the circumstances more than they believed God. When Moses went down there to them and said, God sent me down here to lead you to the promised land. God's saying there's a promised land for Israel. And he said that that promised land was a land that was would, would flowing with milk and honey. But the, the Israelites got out in the wilderness and all of the circumstances, they went around in a circle for 40 years. All of the circumstances kept them out of the promised land. Circumstances will keep us out of God's best for our lives. If we listen, see in a manner, uh, listen to what those circumstances are saying to us. And then the devil chimes in. And so he comes along, tells us, you know, he probably maybe uh, tells us all basically the same thing. He said, well, you know, uh, things like, well, you're not going to make it. Well, God's not going to come through this time for you. Well, you know, uh," you know, and he presents all of that type of language to us. And so that's all for the purpose of causing us to distrust what God Says to us his word. And so unbelief then become or was the cardinal sin that kept the Israelites out of the promised land. It wasn't because they couldn't go. It was just simply because they did not trust what God, the word God had sent to them through Moses. They did not trust it. And so they got out there in the wilderness and went round and around in a circle for 40 40 years. So it is evident that, that what Jesus had said to them that day in teaching them, uh, it was evidence that that was not in them, in them, even though they heard him teaching and expounding upon the Word of God. Now, how is it, he must have said, you hear me, yet you have no faith, if you understood the parable that I taught? A sower. The kingdom of God is as if a man or a person, mankind, male or female, it is as as if a person should cast seed into the ground. Now, I'm repeating myself a lot, and it's on purpose that I'm doing this so that we get the picture. And so we see then that, that everything that God has, he put it in seed form. And so he put faith in the seed form. God, way back in the book of Genesis, put the coming Messiah in seed form, the, the coming of Jesus, the Redeemer, the Messiah. He put, he put him in seed form by saying something, and he said, uh, the seed is coming, uh, you'll bruise, br- you will, he will bruise your heel, and you will, uh, and you will what? Uh, you, you're going to stomp his head. And so we see it was in seed form. God said something. And every word that God says is truth. And there's no error in what God says. And so we see then that he said the kingdom of God operates on this principle. That a, that a person sows the seed of the word into the ground. Then he said this seed is comparable to a mustard seed. It may look small in the beginning, but if you plant it, it'll do what it does and it'll grow up and it'll shoot out great branches and the fowl of the air will come and lodge in the sh- under the shade of it. Just simply giving us a picture of when it seems like that we are exercising faith against the circumstance, it seems like may seem like a small thing to do. But if you just plant it and just water it with your praises and your thanksgiving, what's going to happen, what's in that seed is going to come up and it's going to grow up real tall and it's going to shoot out branches and, then, and it will uh, attract uh, whatever in that case he gave that, uh, gave that example of that. So Jesus, uh, after Jesus, let's look at this for a moment. After Jesus had fed the 5,000, with five loaves and two fishes, the crowd followed him. Yet he said unto them, "You're not following me because you want to hear what I have to say." He said, "You're following me for what? For the, the loaf, for the bread, and so, or what they? He, how he was feeding them in the natural. So, there's a great, there's a great truth here, that we're not following." Jesus because of material things we're following Jesus because what he says to us is the truth and that we can take what he says to us ingrain it into us, engraft it into us and we can take that word then and receive whatever we need in a natural physical world And so he said, but here he said to these people that when he fed the 5,000 with the five loaves and the two fishes, the crowd followed him, yet he said to them, you are not following me because you want to hear what I have to say, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. So sometimes we are focused more on what he can do and he's focused on what we can do in him. So a lot of times we're asking God to do something that he has left instruction for us to do. He said, you say to the mountain. You know, and so sometimes, you know, and, and it, it sounds good, and uh, you, you get a little religion involved in it, but we, we are asking God to move the mountain. Well, in effect, it, it, it's his p- power that's gonna move the mountain, but he didn't say, ask him to move the mountain. What did he say? If you you shall say unto the mountain. So that's a responsibility of my faith life is to speak to these things. You say to the mountain, and he told him what to say. Well, I mean, he's filling in every little blank space here. He tells him what to say. You say to the mountain, what? Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and not doubt. Is our, can you see God and us working together? We're co-laborers together with God. So what God is not going to do what he tells us to do. He's not going to do it for us. And we can't, we can't in our own natural strength, we can't do what God can do. But when we get it all together, when we get all of this together, then God imparts to us from his word, by the spirit of God, he imparts to us the same power that Jesus had when he spoke to the wind and he spoke to the water. Now, sometimes that blows the natural thinking, uh, you know, but that's just the way it is. Because he said, if you say to the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and, and you don't doubt in your heart, what does he say? It'll be done for you. It'll actually happen for you. So here, here's the great, I mean, that, that, that is the, uh, that, that's the ultimate uh, of, of faith. I mean, that's the reason we ought to pursue it every day that we live the lifestyle and all of the different facets of faith that God instructs us to be involved in. I mean, every day of our life. Why? Because God wants us right up here just, now, that's what I'm saying to you. He wants us right up here on the faith level that Jesus had when he walked here on the earth. Now, boy, that blows the human mind sometimes, doesn't it? But he wants us to operate by faith and with the same kind of faith that Jesus had. And so when Jesus spoke to the fig tree, what did he say? When, the, when Peter or, or, or those folks were marveled at the fig tree had died, you know, going out, Jesus spoke, coming back, they saw that it had withered. And Peter said, look at the tree, it, it's dead or it's withered. You know, and what, you know, and Jesus didn't put his thumbs up here in his vest and say, well, what'd you expect, boys? <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't do that. He turned his attention to them He turned his attention to them He did not Get them to focus On him necessarily so much He focused his attention With that With that demonstration He focused attention on them And he said well how The King James said have faith in God Which all of us have learned what When he said have the faith Of God or Have the God kind of faith he, he put it back to them he said you guys have it y'all have it you have the faith of God because if you do and you get that and develop yourself in it you can not only do that which is done to the fig tree but you can say to the mountain mm. that was a little feeling that went through there then for me but he said you can say to the mountain be removed, cast into the sea, not doubt in your heart, but believe that those things which you say shall come to pass. Come on, help me preach now. Shall come to pass. Can you see what he's doing? Can you see what Jesus is doing? And so we can, we can see then the importance when jesus said you ought to have the faith of god that was that was not a suggestion it was a statement of something that he wanted them to have or expected them to have have faith in god without faith it's impossible to please god and so if i do not if i do not immerse Immerse myself into faith. There's going to be some element here that I am not pleasing God, like God would want me to please. Doesn't mean God doesn't love me. Doesn't mean God, you know, gets all upset with it. Just the pleasure that God wants to receive from His children is not there. And so we see then that without faith, it's what impossible. To please God. And I, if I asked the question here this morning. How many of you want to please God? Well that's all of us in the room. Yeah. But we're not going to do it unless we have what? Faith. 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 So I would say that faith is a pretty good subject. I would say it's a very important subject. You know I told you what the guy asked me. While you still preaching that faith stuff. Again? I had a guy ask me one time. He said are you one of them victory preachers? I said well I'm doing the best I can. You know I, I, I want to be. Yeah, I'm preaching victory. Amen. Why? Because God raised Jesus from the dead, that I might be able to have this kind of faith and live in this world with the God kind of faith where every situation and circumstance that may engulf or come around my life, I could say to the mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. Yeah, I'm a victory preacher, and you folks are here because you are, you are desirous and hungry to hear what it is that takes you to that level of you being victorious in every area of your life, you're in the school for that purpose. Amen. And so we see, we can see then that Jesus said, you, you're following me because of the loaves, and, and and you ate and you were filled. So we are focused more sometimes, or people are, they're focused more on what God can do, and God himself is focused on what we can do. Why? Because in the mind of God, he's given us his word that produces what? Faith and faith will do what? It'll move the mountain. So God's focused on what I can do with what he has given me. And he's focused on what I can do with faith that he has given me. So I'm focused sometimes on what he can do. And he's focused on what I can do with the same kind of faith that Jesus had, that Jesus told the disciples, have the faith of God, or have the same kind of faith. So so God's looking at it from that perspective. He looks at things through Christ. He looks at things that Christ... Uh, what Christ did when he when he did the re- redemptive work what did he do he defeated the principalities and the powers he defeated the rulers of the darkness of this world and all of the spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places Jesus defeated them and when God raised him up from the dead the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells on the inside of you here today when you are born of the spirit of God and when you're baptized where it's overflowing you're baptized in the spirit that same spirit that raised Christ up from the dead dwells on the inside of this human body of this of this tabernacle that Paul called the body the tabernacle it's the dwelling place of the most high God in the earth today and when Jesus was dying on the cross Let me preach a little bit. When Jesus was dying on the cross, it said the veil of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. God was moving out of his box. He was kept in the Ark of the Covenant. And guess what? He was moving to take his place in the hearts and in the lives of all of those that would believe upon him and receive him as Lord in their life. And that same spirit that raised Christ up from the dead dwell in you, Amen with that same power that was exceedingly great in my behalf it's on the inside of you and on the inside of me and the word of god brings faith into our hearts into our inner man so that we can do it just like Jesus did it by speaking to the situations and the circumstances of our life hallelujah oh Pardon me for getting preachy here, but I, I, I just something moves you when you get to talking about it. The Holy Spirit moves you when you get to talking about it, isn't that right? A- amen. And so Jesus uh, is here, and he, uh, the disciples were focused on what he could do, as opposed of being opposed to, to being focused on what they can do. What did Paul say? I can do. Come on, quote the rest of it. For the rest of it, I can do what? All things. through, Through whom? Through Christ. Through whom? Through Christ. Why? Because the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. And that same faith that he had when he spoke to the fig tree and spoke to the wind and the waves and the water, that the word brings that same kind of faith inside you. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And so I, I believe the apostle Paul, when he stood and made that statement, it wasn't just a good phrase, you know, put it on your refrigerator, this right? No, it was a living words that said, I can do all that God says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Christ lives on the inside of you today. You're the, you're the temple of God. Amen. You, you, you remember when, the, when they were quizzing Jesus and he was talking about his father and they said, him, you're talking about your father? You're, on, you're not even 50 years, years old. Let Abraham being your father, you're not even 50 years old. How in the world, you know, you haven't even seen Abraham. But you know what? What did Jesus say? And, they, and Philip said to him, show us the father and we'll be sufficed or satisfied. What did Jesus do? I can picture it in mind He must have stepped back and buttoned up his robe. Now, I don't know if it had buttons on it or not. But he stepped back and he said, Well, Philip, have you been so long with me and you haven't seen the Father? If you've seen me, oh gosh, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. That same God that he was talking about that lives on the inside of you today. You are a carrier of God. And faith, you're a carrier. You're meant to carry the faith of God into a lost and dying and dark world, and shine the light of the gospel. Are you heard me? To those who may not have heard, may not have seen, may not have been developed in it, we're the light of the world. He said he didn't. He didn't say that we are light. He said you are the light of the world. Now, and John comes along, and says that there. You don't mind if I get back here with you, do you? Okay, and and John said the light shines in the darkness and the darkness comprehends it. It, The darkness comprehends it. not. you know what that word comprehend is there? The darkness cannot lay hold on the light. Uh, Darkness has no power over the light. Darkness has no power over the light that's in your faith. The darkness has no power over the words of of God that we speak that has been received, believed, and acted upon. Darkness has to flee at the presence of light. Amen. We saw it a moment ago when the lights went down, didn't we? Amen. Listen, I don't know where darkness goes to when the lights are on, but I know one thing. When the lights go out, it'll come back. Hey, don't let the light go out. Don't put your your light under a bushel basket. I mean, put it right up there where people can see it. Put the faith of God right up there where people can see it. Believe God in in the face of difficult situations and circumstances and let whomever is encompassed in your world, let them see the light of God with your life and through your life. Amen. And leave this school when you're finished and carry the light to somebody that has not yet seen the light. Oh, yes amen 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 you know they uh, they we used to sing a song growing up in our uh, our church and i don't know if you ever heard this song or not but it, it was send the light send the light the blessed gospel light let it shine forevermore well now they were singing it from from the perspective they had not yet but he said jesus said let your light shine indicating that you got it you got it on the inside Hallelujah, and you've got the potential on the inside of you today, you have the potential to walk in this kind of faith, amen, amen. Well, let me go a little further, all right, so it appears, our here in this with the disciples, we're going to get off of picking on the disciples here, but uh, it was because their faith, uh, our, our Jesus in essence, he asked the disciples, how come you, did not rebuke the wind uh, and, and the sea. And so it was because at that moment in time, now they went on to do great exploits, but it was because their faith at that time was located on little. Little faith focuses on what Jesus can do and not on what the person can do in him are through him Now that's a great indicator where your level of faith is. We're talking about locating your faith. That's a great level. If we only focused on what he can do as opposed to focusing on what he can do through us, then we see we move from little faith to a greater position of faith. Now let's go to Matthew's Gospel, the 8th chapter of the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 5. And uh, I'll let you turn there if you're doing so right now. Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 through 10. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him. Now, we've already talked about this. And saying, Lord, my servant lies at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy. That you should come under my roof. But speak the word only. And my servant shall be, be, be healed. For I am a man under authority. Having soldiers under me. And I say to this man go. And he goes. And to another come. And he comes. And to my servants do this. And he does it. When Jesus heard it. He marveled. And said unto them that followed. Verily I say unto you. I have not found So great faith, no, not in Israel. Wonderful lessons on faith here. This man's faith was located on great. How did Jesus know it was located on great? He knew it by what the man said to him. He knew that. And what did the man say to him? Jesus, I know, I'm paraphrasing obviously, I know you will will go down to my house, but it's just not necessary. All you have to do, is speak the word, and it shall be done. Amen. And so he had confidence in the faith of the Lord Jesus to heal his servant. My point to you today is this, that same kind of faith is available to us uh, here, here today. So we see then that, that this man's faith was located on great. Actually, that word great, it meant mega faith, which means extremely large. Great faith Always recognizes the authority of God's word. Let me say that again. I know perhaps you know that for sure. I'm sure you do. But great faith recognizes the authority of God's word. It it doesn't just recognize that God's word has authority. It recognizes that God's word has authority over things. That God's word has authority over nature. God's word has authority on everything that he created. God's word has authority over that. It's not just that God has authority, but that his authority, uh, he has authority over everything that he has, has created, over, the, over, the, over nature and things of that, of that sort or that, that kind. So great faith recognizes the authority of God's word. It recognizes the authority of God's word in our mouth and in our actions. Let me say that again. That, that, that great faith or that God, did I say that? I think I did. That God, yeah, great, great faith recognizes. It recognizes the authority of God's word where? In our mouth and where? In our, our actions. So the authority of God's word in our mouths and in our actions, great faith, person with great faith recognizes that they have authority. So you have authority here today. You have been given, and we we know this, we have been given authority. We have authority over, over things in this natural world. We have that authority, but that authority comes through our faith. It comes through our faith. Great faith. So what we think, what we believe, and what we confess preconditions our level of faith. Let me say it again. What we think, what we believe, and what we confess preconditions our level of faith. Let me say it again. What we think, how we think, what we think, what we believe, what we confess Confess, what we yeah, what we confess preconditions our level of faith. So that's a great way to 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 really identify what level of faith that you're on is. Listen to what you say. Listen to what you say when trouble comes. Listen to what you say when situations and circumstances arise in your life. Listen to what you're saying, and you can get an idea, or you can, you can you can actually realize what level of faith that you're on. But now, if you find yourself on little faith, don't condemn yourself. Rather, flip that coin and say, well, thank God, greater faith is available to me. So if you find yourself there, uh, uh, whatever level you're on, if you're down here on little faith, or sometimes you find you have not, don't, 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 uh, you know, don't, don't, don't get down on yourself. Just realize that the opportunity is right out there in front of you to go from no to little to great faith where the Lord is concerned. So don't condemn yourself. Don't do that and, and feel guilty. Of course, the devil, you know, he's a, he wants to play that game as well. Jesus, as the high priest of our confession, will not present a negative confession to the Father in our behalf. Now, Jesus, Jesus is our mediator. He's the go-between. He, he, Jesus is our intercessor. Jesus is our altar. Jesus is our mercy seat. Jesus is the sacrifice. The heavenly utensils have been, spr- been sprinkled with his blood. And he is the propitiation for, for our sins and the sins of the whole world. So we, we see then... Here, uh, in in this statement, what did I say to you? In this statement, uh, that Jesus, as the high priest of our confession, will not present a negative confession to the Father in our behalf. Why? Because of what he has done for us in his work at Calvary, in the redemptive work. Spent, what, three and a half years showing what the faith of God will do, showing the mercies of God, Showing the graces of God. Showing the kindnesses of God. He showed us God. He told Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That he, he wasn't just talking about seeing his person. If you have seen what I have been doing, I, you have seen the Father. You have seen what the Father has empowered me to do. So if you've seen me, you have seen the, the Father. Well, that same Father is where? It's here. Isn't that right? So we see then in, the, in this that Jesus, that Jesus had to say that as the high priest of our confession will not present a negative confession to the Father in our behalf. Now I, th- I think sometimes uh, in the past and in, in my experience of growing up in church that sometime we thought that we could get God to feel sorry for us. And that we, we, we thought, well, maybe you didn't have never done this, but we kind of felt like that we could get God, you know, just, just to come and, oh, you poor little thing. You poor little thing. You bless your heart. I know it's tough. You know, we kind of had that mentality that, that God would feel sorry. But God does not feel sorry for us. Why? Because he's made available to us. Everything that Jesus walked on this earth with. Now, I'm not trying to tell you today that you're Jesus. You understand that, I hope. I'm not saying that. But, you know, we, we, we operate in this earth. We can operate in this earth with our faith on, on all of these different levels that we've talked about. Uh, you know, uh, little faith, great faith, and so forth. And so on. So we never should ever try to get God to feel sorry for us. And we should never uh, try to get God to be sympathetic toward us because of what we're facing in life. Why? Because he's made made the power of faith available to us to move those obstacles. Now that doesn't mean they'll move in a day. Sometimes they may not move in a week. Sometimes they may not move in a month. Sometimes it may take several months. Sometimes it may take a little longer than that. But if you'll just keep the faith against that uh, that obstacle, keep your faith pressing against that obstacle, just keep your faith pressing against the obstacle, there will come a time when that obstacle will give way to your faith and you'll move it right out of the way. Amen. Amen. You'll move it right out of the way because faith will move mountains. Yes, it will. And so people say they, they believe that, that Jesus did resi- uh, redeem them, but they won't say so in many situations in their life. They, they, they'll speak like they're still in bondage, but yet they'll say, well, Jesus came to redeem me, but they'll talk like they're not redeemed. But if, you're, if you are a Christian today, you are what? You are redeemed. What does the Bible say? Let the redeemed say. So, now that's not just the word so. You know, let the, you get my drift, huh? Uh, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. It said, let the redeemed say what God has done for me in Christ. Let the redeemed say it. He has, he has redeemed me. He has saved me. He has delivered me. He's lifted me out of the miry clay. He's placed my feet upon, upon the rock, which is Jesus. He has, he has delivered me from the power of darkness and translated me into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. So I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. Hallelujah, I'm to live in this world, amen, with the supernatural power of faith working on the inside of me. Yeah, we're here, but guess what? We've not been left alone. We haven't been uh, left on the earth to do the best we can uh, and, you know, just barely scrape by. We've been redeemed to live in this earth with victory and, and, and winning over every obstacle, winning over every problem that presents itself. We are in the earth to live that kind of life. And when people see that kind of life, they're going to recognize something's going on in your life that if they're not a believer, that they may not have working in their life. Say it with me today. Thank God for faith. Oh, say it again. Thank God for faith. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, I heard a preacher say not long ago, just last year sometime, I was attending a, uh, I was attending a conference, and this person, uh, this, this preacher got up and said, well, today the faith movement is dead in the water." Well, faith is not a movement. Faith is a lifestyle. It's not a movement, it's, it's a lifestyle. And, and, and besides that, if faith was a movement and it's gone, here we are with no way to please him. Why? Because God's pleased when we walk by faith. And so, no, it's not dead in the water. People may have let it kind of ebb low in their life, but it's still the same almighty faith. uh, It's still the same Holy Spirit who parted the waters of the Red Sea. It's the same Spirit that parted the waters of the Jordan River first bell. It, it's it's the same Jesus that was with Daniel in the lion's den. It's the same spirit that was with the three Hebrew children when they were cast into the fiery furnace. It was the same spirit when, when God said, let there be light and light was. It's that same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead. It's the same spirit that created this world and that parted the waters of the Red Sea, that parted the Jordan River It's the same power, same spirit that sent manna down from heaven to the Israelites coming through the desert. It's the same spirit and power that brought the quail on the ground. And that same spirit abides in you today. And if that same spirit lives and abides on the inside of you today, he will quicken your mortal body by his spirit that lives on the inside of you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I tell our people, don't shout about your new car, don't shout about your new house, don't shout about your new clothes, don't shout about thank God for them if that's it but shout about what he's done for you. If that same spirit that raised Christ up from the dead lives on the inside of you, uh, you amen. Uh, How's the rest of that go? uh, He will quicken your mortal body by his spirit. Listen, that quickening power of the Holy Spirit energizes that spirit energizes the faith of god on the inside of us it'll drive every sickness and disease out it'll drive every care out of your mind it'll drive every obstacle into the sea it'll do it why because there's nothing impossible with god can you say that with me today there's nothing impossible i can do all things through christ who strengthens me How does he do it? With manna from heaven. What is his manna? He said, I have bread to eat of that you don't know. He said, my manna, my bread is to do the Father's will. We got that same thing today. Doing the will of God, eating the bread from heaven. Amen. And it'll do the same thing today as it did back then. Faith will move mountains. Amen. So what are we doing? We're climbing this ladder. We're going from whatever level we're on. And we're we're locating our faith. And we're knowing where we're at in faith, so we know where to go to for the next step in our faith. Amen. Amen. Praise God. And and faith, amen. Amen. Faith, faith in God. So, you know, we don't want to ever let anybody make us think that faith has been cast by the wayside or no longer important. We know better than that today. And so the best thing to do is always have your faith located. If it's no faith, little faith, or great faith. And if we keep our faith located, we will always be in a position to win when challenges of life comes to us. Amen. And you know, I'm positive. Well, I say I'm positive. I'm pretty sure that today all of us have something in our life that we are using our faith on. Stay right in there with it. Amen. Amen. Praise God. All right. Now, let me... Uh, Let me read you one other here over in Matthew's gospel, the ninth chapter, the 20th and the 21st verse, and show you location or talk to you just in these remaining few minutes about a location here just for a moment. Matthew chapter 9, verses 20 through 21. All of these stories that I'm talking about today, you know all of them. You've read them probably many, 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 many times. But I'll tell you, the more you read them, the more they'll just get, get, get bigger. Okay. And behold, a woman, which was diseased with an issue of blood, 12 years, came behind him and touched the hem of, the gar- of his garment. You would have to know the history, and I'm sure you do, of how that that was something that she was not to do. For she said within herself, now let's read that part. If I may but touch his garment, I shall be h-. She located herself. And she, she located her faith to this extent that she was willing, knowing that she was subject to be stoned because of her, her condition. She was subject to being stoned. She she made her way through the press because she had located her faith. What what did her faith say? Talk to me now. What did her faith say? That's it. I, her faith was speaking. It was speaking even in the possibility of being stoned to death. It, 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 it was speaking in the presence of she had 12 years and had spent all that she had on the doctors trying to get better, but getting no better, rather she grew worse What did she say? She simply had been doing something that increased her faith. And so her faith was located when she said, if I, no, no, she said, if I, she didn't say if God touches me, no, she said, if I touch God, she said, if I just touch the hem, oh Lord Jesus, you know how you touch the hem of his garment, you touch him with your faith. God has no, there are no options with God. When you touch him with faith, he's bound by his word to move and work in your behalf. And she, she said, if I can but do what? Touch the hem of his garment. What'd she say? I will be made whole, well, or whole, or healed. She spoke, her, she spoke what she had built on the inside of her. And you know what happened to her when she touched the hem of his garment? It stopped Jesus in his tracks. There's a lot of people touching Jesus. There's quite a crowd around him as he moved along. down Going down to Jairus' house, quite a crowd and many people, no doubt, were brushing him or touching him in some way. But this woman touched him with a special touch. What was the touch that she touched him with? It was her faith. What had she done before she got to Jesus in the crowd? What had she done? She had located her faith. She knew what she was going after, and she knew what she was going to get when she got there. And so what'd she do? She made her way through the press. Don't you know that she must have been taking a lot of verbal abuse, taking a lot of abuse, but what did she do? She made her way through the crowd because her faith was located. What was her faith? If I do what? But touch what? the hem of his garment. What touched Jesus that day was her faith. Faith will touch God any time, any hour of the day or night. Faith will always touch God. Now, remember what I said to you, and I've said everything I've said this morning over and over and over to you. But what did I say? God is obligated. If he, that's a pretty strong word where God's got, but God is obligated to respond to a person's faith that they where they have located it and they know what they are believing God for, when you touch God with that kind of faith, he is obligated, not he's obligated to his word to perform that in your life. Hallelujah. So it's not, it's not that we're making God do something, it's just simply God responding to his word, what he has said, amen. Praise God. So it's, it's, it's good to always be at work on your faith. Always always keep working on your faith. I mean, even when you're studying other subjects of the Bible, obviously, all of it is filled. The word of God's filled with faith, as it were. But always keep working on locating your faith. Locating your faith. Know what you can believe God for. And if there's any doubt in your mind as to whether you can receive whatever, then just keep working on it. Keep working on it. How do you work on it? You read the word. Then what do you do? You meditate. The word, and then what do you do? You speak the word, you just keep speaking the word. There's a process going on on the inside of you. What's happening? Faith is being built. It's being built. What's it doing? It's taking you up from one level to the next level. And it's not by your feelings, it's not by what you've seen or haven't seen, it's by what you're doing. You're feasting, you're feeding on the word of God, building your faith. Amen. Building your expectation. You know, faith has an expectation. Building your expectation, seeing something through the reading of the Word that has painted this picture to you, and then seeing yourself doing what the Word says you can do, and then seeing yourself fulfilling the plan of God for your life where you may be, where He may have you planted, doing and seeing that in your life. Amen. So faith pleases God. Amen. And without it is what? Impossible to please For more information and inquiries, please visit our website www.RamanNigeria.com or you can reach us on 08100163948 or 08076576163